Well, welcome back to Starting Point. My name is Jeff, and I have the privilege of being on the team here as the lead pastor. And we've talked about this every week, that everything has a starting point, including your faith. And for most of us, it started when we were kids, and it got damaged along the way. And so we just need to restart a refresh. And if you are like most people, at some point in your faith, in your story, you have settled or you will settle into a bargaining posture with God. And maybe you already have. Right? We've all done it. Even atheists, agnostics get desperate from time to time. You know, we've said things like, God, if you will, get me out of this situation. I promise I'll always go to church. Or God, if you will, keep that thing from happening to me. I promise I will quit smoking or whatever the case may be, right? And that's, that's part of religion. That's part of every religion. In fact, ancient armies sacrificed animals and made vows in return for victory. The Romans had a saying, the gods favor those who are best prepared. Our version, God favors the team with the best quarterback. And for the most part, it really doesn't matter. We don't keep our end of the bargain. Let I me mean, think about it. Let's be honest. When it works out for us, we chalk it up to luck. We chuck it up to our boss, our parents, our ability to work a deal, to negotiate, maybe even birth control. All right. And then we kind of go back to our old ways. See, behind all of this is two big assumptions. Assumption number one, God knows you exist. It's a lot of faith. He knows your name. He knows your circumstances. <laughs> you assume he gives a care. Assumption number two, you have something God wants. Money, attending church, obeying him at all cost, right? As silly as those things sound, when we put it in those terms, it drives our interactions, our posturing, and our prayers to God. See, every religious system, except for a few, where they are absolutely sure there are no absolutes, except for that one, fosters the negotiate with God mentality. Right? As you consider the Christian faith, here's something to remember. Even if it's hard to believe, God doesn't negotiate because he doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. The most famous verse in the New Testament says the best, for God so loved the world he gave. The Christian faith is not based on contracts or negotiations, right? It's not based on that model. It's based on the gift model. The cross is overwhelming evidence that God is for you, that God is for me. There's no need to bargain. Like He loved us at our worst. Obedience is not a bargaining chip. Obedience isn't a way to get something. It's our response to have already received something. In our case, salvation. We forgive because we've been forgiven. Anything that you and I offer pales in comparison to what Jesus has done for us, what God has given to have a relationship with you and me. The term that sums it up best is grace. It's unmerited favor. Grace is favor or blessing that is neither earned or deserved. See, mercy is not getting what you deserve, punishment. Grace is getting precisely what you don't deserve, favor, or a blessing. The classic passage of Ephesians 2, 1-9 through 9, on this topic is found in Paul's letter titled, Epistle to the Ephesians, written about AD 62 from a Roman prison. And this is what he writes. 
as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. What's he saying? You and I were separated from God. There's no such thing as mistakers or sinners. Someone who knows better, but has done their way anyway. He writes, In which you used to live when you follow the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Now, think about it this way. Maybe Paul's helping us to understand that we have underestimated the effects of sin. Think about how we pray. God, I know I shouldn't have, but I promise. right? And that's where the bargaining begins. And we have underestimated the effects of sin. We overestimate our ability to do something about it. Paul believed God was rich in mercy or he has mercy to spare because Paul didn't get what he deserved. He was worse than you and me. Paul wants us to know that it's not because of our promises, our negotiating ability, our, our, our craft in working a deal. No, that's not how we receive mercy. He continues, He's made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Paul's helping us understand that we are delivered from being separated from God. That God has unseparated you because he wanted to. Paul moves on, but then a few verses later, it's as if he wonders if his readers really understood it. So he circles back around and says again, And God raised us up with Christ seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And Paul's helping us understand that this grace is the only way that you and I are made right with God. Then he says, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man, no one can boast. Some say this refers to faith. Others say grace. Paul's point is that God did this for you. It requires both faith and grace. See, we have to quit arguing and just say, God, thank you. Thank you for taking the initiative to restore me. So this brings us to a question that you and I have to answer in our faith story at some point. What standard will you use to determine where you stand with God? Your behavior or God's grace? It can't be both. As soon as you enter the equation, it's no longer grace. And the problem with negotiating, earning, performing is that you will never know where you stand with God because nowhere has God given humankind a clear set of guidelines to follow. We can't point to the Ten Commandments. That's not why they were there. Don't point to the Bible at all. They're not in there. You can't find it in there. Sermon on the Mount? (laughs) No way. Here's some of the things we've kind of made up, right? To kind of convince ourselves that we have to put some skin in the game, right? Well, I got to be nice or... 
I can't lie. I can't harm God's creation. Well, except cats. No, kidding. I'm kidding. Don't kill. The problem with that is we make it up, right? We make it up. And honestly, we don't even follow our own rules. Another way of asking is this. Okay, what standard will you and I use to determine where we stand with God? Is it what we've done for ourselves or is what God has done for us? See, religion is summarized with do. You got to do this. You got to do that. Well, Christianity is summarized with done. God has done this for you and I. See, the hallmark of the Christian faith is our willingness to do for what has already been done for us. The earning is over. Jesus did all the earning for you and I. Our lives are to be expressions of gratitude. And the reason the message of Jesus is good news to the entire world is that there is no more guessing, no more wondering, no more negotiating. See, God's mercy and grace is too good to be true, but it is true. So let the negotiating end and the relationship begin. After all, your kid, a kid, never has to negotiate with their father, with their mother who loves them and has their best interest in mind. And so we're going to pick it up there next week. This week in your group, consider this question. Most people respond to the idea of unconditional grace with, but what about blank? What's your, but what about blank?